So good to be with you guys. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just stoked to continue on this series, You, Me, Us. Um, Are you guys excited about the holidays? I'm a little nervous um, based on how my Thanksgiving went. Uh, My family and I have uh, uh, four kids. My wife and I love being parents, and we were given this house in Breckenridge. And when I say house, think like ridiculously awesome house for the week, and my wife's family all drove in from Oklahoma, um, but one of the families brought a little gift for us called the stomach bug. And so we spent the week in, in Breckenridge, which was glorious weather. One day it was almost 60 degrees, right? It snowed at night, and the sixth the next day, we spent the week vomiting. It was awesome. And there were 17 in the house. 15 of us got the stomach bug. And so it was like, whoever didn't show up for breakfast that morning, you automatically knew why they weren't there. And then you would hear uh, evidence of that throughout the day. Um, That's all I'm going to say about that. So I'm a little nervous about Christmas because of how my Thanksgiving went. Um, So hopefully it won't be that bad. Um, But I'm continuing on in the series, You, Me, Us. It's all about relationships. And for a speaker, this is like the best topic in the world because it's not like you have to say, okay, now now some of you who aren't really into relationships or don't ever interact with people, I'm going to try to make this message work for you. No, every single one of us, when you say a series about relationships, we go, oh, yeah, uh, that's probably going to connect to me, probably important for my life, because by the very nature of you being here this morning, you've already engaged in some form of connection with another person. Um, So it's pretty obvious, right, that relationships are at the center of what it means to be a person. So I'm excited. Before um, we really get into the thick of things, I want to pray and just ask the Holy Spirit to be the one that teaches us and instructs us and gives us things we need for our everyday life. So let's pray together. God, I thank you for this uh, time. God, I thank you for every single person that's here today. And God, we know that your heart for us never runs dry, that your love for us never runs out. And so, Lord, we just come knowing that you want to pour yourself out. You want to fill us with your spirit with your love, with your goodness, with your kindness, with your power, with your wisdom. And so, God, will you make us like sponges this morning, that we could soak up the things that you want to say to us, the things that you want to put into us, that we would live differently because of what you do this morning. God, only you can do that, and we're asking in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I have this weird, um, I think obsession is the right word, and my obsession might surprise you because I'm a pastor, but I love finding evidence for God outside of the Bible. Now, it's not that I don't love the Bible and don't love looking at the Bible as an evidence for God, but I'm really intrigued by this idea of what in the natural created world points to the existence of of creator God, that points to the existence of, yeah, maybe first just like an intelligent design, as, as those in the broader community might call it. But really, what I'm looking for is what in us or about our world points to the, to the realities that the Bible affirms. And one of those for me is those, those aspects about us as humans that are distinct from anything else 
in the universe, right? When you just think about the human makeup, it is ridiculous. It's like, for me, the fingerprints of God are all over us as people, right? The crown of his creation, if that is indeed what we are, like, we should reflect that. And so the things that I like to study um, are often like the, the, the craziest, you know, statistics, if you will, or the findings of biologists or scientists that, that basically just say human beings are absolutely positively ridiculous. They're kind of freaks of this thing um, called the world, called the universe. They, are, they stand alone. We stand alone in, in our own category. And, and you just look at a few aspects of this. Like, first off, our brain, our brain tissue. If you took brain tissue the size of a grain of sand, so are you following me right? Take, take brain tissue out of your head the size of a sand of grain. It has 100,000 neurons in that grain of sand, a brain tissue, or 1 billion synapses. Like, I'm going to pretend what, what I, that I know what that actually means, but... In, in the size of a grain, all of that contained. Also, the brain can process an image that your eye sees for 13 milliseconds. That's a shorter than a blink. So your eye sees it like that, your brain processes it. So basically, instantly, right? Those, those of you who are computer nerds will like this one. In our brain, you talk about memory capacity, think of like a hard drive or a a little uh, floppy disk back in my day, um, or a little, you know, a little car, SD car, whatever, quadrillion bytes of memory in the brain. I'm going to say that again. Quadrillion, there's a quadrillion bytes of memory in the human brain. That's roughly, oddly enough, the entire internet, they estimate, is about a quadrillion bytes of information right here in one human mind. And you may be thinking, that doesn't apply to my friend next to me, but it applies to every other human. Um, but don't tell them that. Just don't tell them that. Our brain processes 1,016 different things every second. Holy smokes. Wow. Messages from our body or our other parts, our, let's say our eyes or our ears, travel towards our brain at 200 miles an hour. Would you think about like your foot is, is maybe what, four or five feet? It's traveling from your foot to your brain at 200 miles an hour. The brain is amazing, right? And then, you, then let's just move on to the broader uh, body, right? There's some pretty cool things. If you uncoiled, now work with me on this one, right? If you uncoiled the DNA in your body, which is impossible, let's say you could, it would be 10 billion miles long. It's approximately to Pluto and back, right? I know that'll really help you because we're regularly making trips to Pluto and back. You really get that distance in your mind pretty easy. Um, the human body, um, God designed it to, to the average human uh, ends up walking about 100,000 miles in their lifetime. So God made the body to withstand that kind of distance. Now, this one's a little easier. That's the equivalent of walking four times around planet Earth. In your lifetime, you walk the distance equivalent to four trips around planet Earth. I love it. We'll approximately take 672 million breaths. Oh! <gasps> 
Closer to dying. There it is. 671. Right? Then you add in, right, the human ability to uh, communicate. Right? It's unlike any other created living thing. Like, whales communicate. Right? Right? You all know that? It's, it's not super complex. Like, come over here and mate with me. You know, like that's about the extent of it. Or come, there's lots of fish. I don't, I'm sorry I chose the mate thing. I should have just gone with the fish thing. That's so weird. <laughs> We're not podcasting this anymore. Um, then you think about the emotions of humanity, right? We feel things. The full spectrum of human emotion. Really, is any other creative thing capable of that? No. Right? Then you talk about the productivity like, you go out in the woods and you're like, oh, look at that nest. That's a nice nest that sparrow has just made. But human cell phones, right? We've done with cell phones. We know how to turn off alerts on our cell phones. It's amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. Thank you. That was a perfect little, yeah. Right? You think about what we're able to accomplish as human beings, right? You think about um, uh, Las Vegas, right? It used to be a sandy desert, and part of me wishes it still was, but it's been turned into Sin City, right? This You go there, and you're like, oh my gosh, humans did this. This is either really cool or really stupid. I'm not sure which, but it it exists. It used to be a sandy desert, and now it's Las Vegas. Of all these amazing things about us, there's one that's probably most fascinating to me. And it's our ability to connect and to relate to one another. That is such an amazing thing. That literally, you think about it, we're all relating right now as we speak. I'm looking at different ones of you in the eye, and there's this, there's this connection between even audience and speaker. That's a relationship between pastor and people, and people at your table, Right? Like, there's so much nuance in there. There's so many layers to it. This is a profound mystery, a glorious thing about what it means to be human. And you think about the holidays, we're all thinking about all the different relational dynamics, right? Just in one 24-hour period, when you connect with your broader family, think about all that's going on in that moment. The history that's there. The people that you've known for your whole life, some of them, or Uncle Jim, who you've met last week and you wish you could unmeet him, right? Or whatever it is, there's so, many, so much nuance to that moment. And depending on the day, right, sometimes we're eager to embrace the reality that we're a relational being, and sometimes we just want to actually ignore it. We sometimes wish we weren't a relational being because relationships are messy, right? They're often painful, they're confusing, they're complicated, and sometimes we go, ah, I want to turn the relational dial down in my life. I'd rather have just like one person that got me and I got them and everybody else can just mm, do their own thing, right? Everybody else can just go have fun and do what they like to do, but I finally found someone that I can just groove with, I can connect with. They they get me, I get them, right? 
And yet there is this longing inside of us. This, this desire that God's put in us for community and for connection. And you think about all the things that we do together, right? We, we laugh together. We, we cry together. We argue together, right? We comfort each other. We celebrate each other. We grieve together when there's loss. We work together. We problem solve. We debate together. We play together. Imagine if all of that was taken away from our life. There's a reason, right? That one of the harshest penalties we can put on anyone is solitary confinement, right? So much of what it means to be alive is stripped from that person in that moment, putting them in a dark cell all alone with zero human interaction. But there's this tension in us, right? Of like, we we want the good stuff in the relationships that are around us, but we just wish we could have that without any of the drama, you know? without any of the messiness. And the reality is, is that we live in a now and not yet location in human history, right? Christ has come and he has put his spirit inside of us and he's formed the church and he said, I've put my spirit in you as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come, as a down payment, if you will. So we have experienced only in part of God what we will in fullness in eternity. And the same is true of relationships. We are in this moment where we do experience the sweetness of connection with our spiritual brothers and sisters, or perhaps you're in a healthy romantic relationship. You're like, this is awesome, right? But we're also in an in-between moment where even though God has conquered sin and death, the full realization of that hasn't come yet. So our relationships reflect the now and not yet moment. In heaven, there's not going to be any relational drama. He's going to wipe every tear from our eye. Any dividing wall between us and another person is going to be done and dealt with forever because God is going to make all things new, including relationship and relational brokenness. But we're not quite there yet. So Jesus and the scriptures even though it's messy and difficult and challenging, the voice of the Spirit comes to us and says, lean into relationships. This is part of why I created you. Check out Romans 12. This is verse 10 through 18. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. I'm going to read it again. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So we see in just eight 
verses in one book of the Bible, this, this idea that there is so much to community, that, that God places a high emphasis on how we treat each other. It's huge. You can't, you can't read the Bible and walk away thinking, yeah, I'm just going to do this faith thing sort of on my own, largely. No. First off, what it means to be human is to be in relationship. And second of all, what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to be connected to the family of God called the church. There's no way around it, really. People that just say, I'm good with Jesus, but the church, peace out. No thanks. Mm, They miss it altogether. I don't even think you can follow Jesus apart from the family of God, right? Not possible. It's certainly not healthy. It's certainly not what God's has his God's best for you. We see even this priority in Jesus lived out in his worst moment. In his most difficult moment, Jesus reminds us that relationships are key. Check this out. This is John 19, 25 and 27. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, which just so note here, that word woman in Greek is not an insulting word at all. It's like, woman, you hear that saying, you're like, whoa, wait, Jesus, why what is this? Insulting your mom on the cross. Good job. No, that's what happened. Woman. You would say, lady, you know. Here is your son. Was that, was, that, was that actually her son? No. And to the disciple, here is your mother. Is that actually her mom? No. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Right? So, Jesus in his worst moment, He's on the cross. Do we need to review what's happening to his physical body on the cross, not to mention the sins of humanity being placed upon him? In that moment, Jesus looks down and is concerned about his mom, who he's known since the very beginning, right? And he says, I'm concerned about her social relational connection post my going to be with the father. And he places her firmly in the home of John. Isn't that pretty awesome? Jesus is saying relationships matter. This connection thing is important. It's, it's on his mind, even on the cross. Have you thought recently about how central relationships are to be in your life? How high of a priority How big of an investment God longs for you and I to make in the people around us. It's huge. I don't want to pause right here and just take maybe one or two minutes and around your table, I want you to talk about what's the most challenging part of relationships for you. You may speak of it in the context of your biological family. You may speak of it in the context of the people that you're around at work or at school or maybe even a romantic relationship that you're in. Um, you can just share all of your dirty laundry right there at the table in front of the person you're dating. That'd be awesome. Really high social EQ if you do that. Um, but no, what, what are some, generally speaking, what are some of the most challenging things for you about relationships? Ready, set, discuss. You have like one, two minutes, so talk fast. Speed, speed. All right. 
So I want to take a quick poll. How many of you had someone at your table that said conflict was the most challenging part of relationships? So yeah, a few of you. Okay, communication. Uh, getting, yeah, okay. Um, how about um, just d- drama? Like when there's drama, <laughs> this one hand just stays up. I love it. <laughs> it's like all, we had all of them at our table. Yes. All right, somebody shout out something else you had at your table. Don't be shy. Laws? In-laws, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. All right, what else? Time, yeah. You got all this stuff going on, and you got to make time, find time, and you want, even if you want to, it's like, where do you? Yeah. Right, what else? Different personalities. Yes. I don't know why I'm singing that, but I am. Um, maybe it's because you look like Bruno Mars. That's what it was. David Liao. He's really good looking. That's not a... I mean, I've heard. So... The caffeine is hitting my system, and this is not good. All right, what else? Being yourself. yourself. Yeah, feeling like knowing, kind of knowing who you are, and and, uh, yeah. Okay, one more. Expressing your needs. Yeah, maybe you're wired to sort of, here, let me help you. What do you want to do tonight? Oh, no, what do you want to do? And it's like really inside, you're like, I just want to go get some frozen yogurt. And you don't, you don't feel like you can say that because you want the other person to be happy? It's like this tension. Is, yes, I get that for sure. So here's the question for me in all of this. If relationships are challenging, which I think we've proven this with our quick discussion. We could talk for like five hours about why they're hard, right? If they're hard, but yet there's this invitation to God from God and, and his holy scriptures and the Holy Spirit for us to lean into relationships, how do we actually do this? How do we actually lean in and find some sort of resemblance to what God would want us to have in, in relationship, in connection with the people that are in our life? What does this look like? What does it look like for us to, to make an attempt at reaching for God's best in the relational world that we have? So the first thing that comes to mind for me is that we refuse to shy away from relationships when they get messy and when they get painful. I want to encourage you. I'm just going to go through um, a few things. I want to encourage you just to write these down because it's going to be part of what you discuss here at the end. The first thing in leaning in and reaching for God's best is we refuse to shy away when things get messy and painful. Now, this is very counterintuitive. Why? Because we live in a consumeristic-driven society, right? So the moment something costs us more than it benefits us, what do we do? We throw it away or we donate it to goodwill. And we go buy a new one or we go buy a different one, right? If we're not careful, we will view our relationships that way. Oh, it's disposable. This relationship is disposable. Like almost every other commodity in my life, I just throw it away when it costs me more than it benefits me. Oh, you know, this, this is taking up a little too much space in my dorm room or my garage, so I'm just going to go chuck it out or donate it, right? If we think that way in our relationships, when it gets tough, what do we do? Peace out, right? We are, we are it's classic human behavior, isn't it? Right? And yet, this is in. This runs counter to what the scripture teaches us, that we're to bear with one another, that we're to be long-suffering with one another. I think there's so many reasons, so many things that actually we miss out on 
if we have a disposable relationship mindset. The first thing that we miss out on is that we're meant to be transformed by the relational pain that we encounter. When we have a relational rupture, when we have an issue, when we have drama in our relationship, it should drive us to a place of prayer. It should drive us to a place where we say, Holy Spirit, examine me and see if there be anything inside of me that you want to speak to, that you want to deal with, right? And we would rather not go through that refining process. We would rather say, this relational issue is all that person. It's 125% their issue, and I'm in the clean. Because Lord knows I've never sinned in my life, right? We don't like to go, wait a second, there's a relational rupture, and I'm probably a part of the problem, right? We, we just deflect, defend, defer it off to the other party. It's them, it's them, it's them, it's them. Actually, all these fingers are pointing back at you, at you, at you, right? God wants to use relational pain and drama to refine us. We also miss out on the ability to learn to give and receive forgiveness. That's a big part of God shaping us into his likeness, is teaching us how to handle someone else's sin, someone else's ruthless meanness towards us. And we learn to say, yeah, they really screwed up, but I forgive them. It doesn't always mean that when someone violates your trust or does something horribly, that they instantly get to get back into your inner circle and that, that trust is restored instantly. No, there's a difference between forgiveness and trust rebuilding, right? But regardless, God is trying to develop in us a heart that says, you slapped me really hard in the face, front hand, and then you came with the back hand, and then the front kick, right? And I'm in the hospital, but I forgive you. You know, one of the most amazing pictures for me was uh, in the 80s, the Pope at the time, I forget the specifics of his name, but there was an attempted assassination on the Pope at the time in the 80s. Um, and he, after this happened, the Pope survived, he went to the prison where his uh, would-be assassin was being held, and he reached through the bars, and he put the man's hands in between his, and he looked him dead in the eyes, and he said, I forgive you, and God loves you. Whoo, powerful, right? How many of us, right, far less of an offense than a gun pointed at us, and the trigger being pulled, and us, whoo, dodging the bullet, and we've said, no, I refuse. I refuse to forgive. I refuse to let that offense go. God wants, we say, ah, I just dispose of that person. I can just ignore them. The other side of it is, if we don't bell when there's relational drama, maybe we're the offender. And we would rather, again, ignore them and choose someone new than face what we've done. And to come to them and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I was wrong. When was the last time you said that to somebody? If it's been a while, either you aren't aware of how you're hurting people 
or you're really not that leaned into relationships. You're kind of dealing on a surface level, hey, you know, relationships, yeah, I'll just stick a toe in, right? Huge part of our spiritual formation, giving and receiving forgiveness, being transformed and, and, and allowing the drama to cause us to re- prayerfully reflect on what God, how God may want to refine us or show us. I think the other thing is, and this goes along with all these things, is in relational drama that we can't figure out, that seems impossible to deal with, it drives us back to the reality of how bad we need God. You know, one of the coolest things about marriage for me is that I've found myself often in the last almost 17 years now on my face in a closet crying out to God saying, I'm an idiot. (laughs) Help me again, God. Help me to love Carrie the same way that you love the church. I can't, I can't do it. Help me, God. It drives us back to a place of dependence on God when we hang in relationships that are tough and believe God for more in that situation. So what else? What else does it mean to lean into relationships and reach for God's best? The next thing is, we look at every interaction as an opportunity to strengthen and encourage someone else. This is just that classic others first mentality that I think God is trying to form inside of us. Did you walk in this morning primarily thinking about what you need from this little interaction called New Life Young Adults at New Life? Or did you come in going, all right, who's here that doesn't feel apart? Who's here that had a really bad week? Who's here that's discouraged? Who's here that that doesn't have a clear direction for their life that just feels lost right now? And what could I say to them or how could I be present in their life in such a way that would strengthen and encourage them? Which which person describes you more? I came in here needing. Who can I surround myself with to feel okay and to to feel like cool and, and, you know, or did you come and go, God, who is it? I, I consider myself on assignment this morning. Who is it that I can interact with, put an arm around, encourage, pray for? Which mindset describes you more accurately? Maybe you go, I've run out to be honest, I'm somewhere in the middle. It's an important question, right? What if we made a regular habit of approaching the people that we're getting to know and say, you know what, I see this in you. And then fill in the blank. You know what? When, when, when I watch you and I observe you, this reminds me of Jesus. When, I, when you did this, it reminded me of you. I see Jesus in you. Or, or what if we just said, hey, you know that situation that you've been coming to me with and just sort of bemoaning it? Let's pray together over it. Let's just, let's, I, I, I'm not much of a prayer person, public prayer, but... Hey, we just stumbled through a prayer together. It's, what if we just made a habit of, in our relationships, praying over each other? Do you think some strengthening and encouraging might happen? Did you know? So that's just general basic advice, ideas, right? Did you know, though, that there is a very tactical assignment that God will give you for the people around you if you ask him for it? What I'm talking about, it could be a specific thing that you say, a specific kind act that you do, 
that touches them exactly where they are and what they need in that moment. Did you know if you pray for your friends and ask God, God, is there anything that you would want me to say to Billy Bob today on your behalf? Guess what? He will start giving you things. And Billy Bob will cry when you tell him those things. He will weep on your shoulder and all of his mascara will pour out onto your white shirt. This just got really weird, but that's okay. Did you know that the more you practice this, the more proficient you will become at it? There are times, you guys, when I sit out on my back patio and I'm having my time with the Lord that I start praying for different people and I end up either calling them or texting them and saying, hey, bro, uh, praying for you this morning and here's something that I got. And I'm like, I have no idea if it's going to connect but I've learned to just like trust it, trust the Holy Spirit, and I'll send it, and they text back, you have no idea what I'm going through this morning and what this meant to me. And I'm like, oh, oh, did you know that's available to every single one of us, not just Pastor Brad, who's gone to seminary, has nothing to do with it, nothing. Nothing qualifies me to hear from God like that. The only thing that qualifies me is that I said yes to Jesus and invite the activity of the Holy Spirit into my life every day, and boom, bada boom, bada bing, right? It'll flow out of you. God wants to use you to encourage someone today. God wants to use you to strengthen someone today. Are you willing to receive the assignment? Hello? Three of you, yes. Let's do this. Storm hell. Okay. All right, number three. How do we lean into relationships and reach for what God's, the God's best in it? We hold out hope for healing and restoration when things are tough. The narrative, the story of our faith is about the impossible becoming possible through Jesus. When Jesus shows up in a situation, what was formerly impossible becomes possible because of the presence and the power and the goodness of Jesus. Lazarus was in the tomb wrapped in grave clothes for three days. Everyone had given up hope. Everyone had given up hope. And Jesus rolls into town and says, Lazarus, come on up out that grave, son. I, I, he said it just, that's actually verbatim how he said it. And the son, come on up out that grave. He came right on up out that grave. Right? So here's the deal. When relationships go south, and I mean really south, we're not talking messy and painful. We're talking broken. We stand in the gap, believing God for restoration. And trust me, I'm living proof. Miracles, relational miracles happen. People that you never thought that you would speak to again, there's massive, and you start praying for the work of God. And again, I'm not talking about your best friends with this person, but a place where you can give and receive forgiveness from them, where you can coexist together for a day or two, right? I'm talking about healing happens. It's amazing to watch God do this. I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 13. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. 
Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live at peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Strive for full restoration. I love that. Something to reach for in relationships. And in that, guess what? We mirror the very resurrection of Jesus. Talk about living. You've maybe heard the term, live a resurrection life. Live in the victory of the resurrected life, right? Just this Christian term, right? What, what it means in your relationships is that when things look hopeless, you believe that the dead will come back to life and that there will be some measure of healing. Did you know the person that you're in greatest relational disruption with it holds the potential to show the greatest restoration power of Jesus. In other words, it puts God on display. The person that you're in greatest relational stress with may need the restoration, restoration power of Jesus more than anyone else in your life. And so if that relationship can heal, hope can come back to their heart. It's an amazing thing. All right, the last thing, and then we'll kick it in uh, to your tables for some discussion. How do we lean in and how do we reach for God's best relationally? We dare to practice vulnerability in our safe relationships. In James 5, right, we, we read this long scripture about praying for healing. And then there in the middle of it, it says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It's really interesting that there's this tie between prayer, confession, and healing. Now, if you're like me, you go, I, I'm great confessing things to God in my dark prayer closet. But you want me to sit eyeball to eyeball at, at a table with a, one person or two people and say, this is what I did this week that reminds me I'm a really sinful person. And here's, the, here's some of the details of it. Oh, go back to my closet, right? Thank you very much. But did you know there's something so powerful that happens when we bring ourselves into the light of relationships? Healing comes. Actually, the scripture teaches, oddly enough. We think it's going to hurt us. Actually heals us. Now, one caveat to this is that you don't sit down at a table with strangers and say, oh, here's all my dirty laundry, right? Because you don't know where they are. Have you ever been in a place really awkward, right? You're at an airport and someone's like, hey, my name's Tom. And you sit down with Tom and Tom's like, so this week, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, holy smokes, Tom. Like, do you not talk do any other people ever, but now I'm getting everything. Like, whoa, 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 TMI, Tom, TMI. <laughs> Time out, technical foul on Tom for sharing way too much with a stranger, right? So you got to think about this in terms of what I call the pyramid of trust, okay? Got to say it like that, trust. So everybody make a pyramid, because you'll remember this. Everybody make a pyramid, okay. So at the bottom, yeah, and, and frame your, your closest friend, take a little snapshot, a little, little selfie. Okay, so pyramid of trust, here's the deal. At the bottom of the pyramid is everyone. You offer a measure of trust to everyone. I'll prove it to you. You're going to get in your car, and you're going to trust that the person on that other two-lane highway isn't going to swerve over and smash into you, right? You trust everyone at some level. Otherwise, you would never get in a vehicle, right? So the next one up is your acquaintances. 
You might trust them a little more. You might actually like shake someone's hand who you really have no... You, you offer, touch my hand, stranger. They're an acquaintance to you, right? I trust you with my hand only, not my forearm, my hand. Too close, stand back, you're an acquaintance, right? So this is getting really weird again. Okay, then there's people that actually move up the, the, the pyramid to friends. You say, you're not an acquaintance, they're my friend. Then close friend, then trusted confidant, and then at the very top is Jesus, and maybe your spouse. Not every spouse is at the top, unfortunately, but mine is, um, just in case you're wondering. So where do you think you want to practice vulnerability? Well, it's based on the levels of the pyramid and where those people fit in, right? So strangers, you may trust them to say, um, hi, right? But a trusted confidant, you may say, I'm really struggling, right, with X, Y, and Z. So these are the things, these are four things, there's probably 400 things that we could talk about today. If we're going to lean into and reach for God's best, we don't shy away when things get tough. We look at every interaction as an opportunity to strengthen and encourage. We hold on to hope when things are broken and we practice vulnerability with safe people. So let's go to our tables for just a few minutes here and talk about which one of these for you do you feel like this really connects with me right now with something I'm going through? Share that with your table. Or, so that's part one of how you can discuss. Or you can say, Brad, actually there's a fifth one right now that I'd add to your list that's really challenging to me. This is how I'm leaning into relationships and reaching for God's best relationally, that you, you say, hey, here's a fifth one that, Brad, you actually missed, and I'm going to tell my table that. So ready, set, discuss, and then we'll be out of here. Young adults, hello. Oh, I've missed this, and I've missed you. I actually wasn't even planning on being up here, but I just had to get up and dismiss you guys and bless you before you left. So um, don't mean to cut discussion short, but if you all could stand Um, And then feel free to linger if you want. Feel free to continue discussing. Uh, Let's make some noise for Pastor Brad. Come on. (laughs) Crushed it. I was talking to Matt Lemonian in the back at my table, and Matt said, you can tell Brad's been a college pastor, can't you? He's just got 15 years of college and young adult ministry under his belt, and it shows. Um, So let me bless you guys. Lord, thank you for these young adults. Thank you for their lives. Thank you for these spheres of influence that are represented here in this room. Uh, God, I thank you for this amazing, rich, deep, profound work that you are doing in our lives, both corporately and specifically in the individuality of our lives, Father. And today, as they go, young adults, I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you. I pray that he would make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. May the Lord lift his bright, shining countenance upon you and give you more peace. And would you go out to the streets? Would you go out to the four corners of this city as we dismiss? And would you be salt? And would you be light? And would you be a sweet-smelling fragrance of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, to all you come in contact with? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And everybody said, amen, amen.